morning, Orchard. Take out your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Haggai. It is in your Bible, I promise, the book of Haggai. It's between Zephaniah and Zechariah. Does that help you guys out at all? Probably not. Okay, if you go to the last book of your Old Testament, Malachi, and go back two books, you'll find the book of Haggai. We're starting our brand new three-week series this morning called The Time Is Now. The Time Is Now. Um, Haggai is what we call a minor prophet. You have some minor prophets in the Bible and some major prophets in the Bible. So poor Haggai was a minor prophet. He never made it to the majors. Come on, work with me, y'all. Come on, work with me, y'all. It's early. Let's go. The reason he's a minor prophet because it, the book is only two chapters. It just means it's a smaller uh, book of the prophets that are written. So as you're finding your way to the book of Haggai this morning, let me ask you this by a show of hands. How many of you have ever reached a stage in life, and when you got to that stage in life, you thought there would be something more? You expected more by that point in your life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're like in college, and you're a senior, and you're like, I thought I would know by now what I want to do with my life, and I've changed my major three times. I'm still not sure. Or, or maybe you graduate from college, and and you get a job, but it's not the job you thought you were going to have. You know, when you got out of college, you're still looking for that dream job. Uh, maybe by this point in your marriage, you thought, you know, your marriage would be different. You thought it would be something more. Maybe you thought it would be better. Maybe you'd be married to a different person. You know, just look to the person next to you and just think about that right now. You know, is, is this what, what I thought would be happening? Maybe at this point as parents, you thought, you know, we would have uh, kids or we'd have more kids. Maybe some of your parents thought you'd have less kids at this point in your life, or different kids at this point in your life. But you, we, we sometimes reach those stages in life where we thought, you know, at this point in my life, there would be something more, there would be something better, there would be something different. And as we go to the book of Haggai for these next three weeks, that's the general mood and the background of what's going on when God raises up this prophet named Haggai. So let me give you a little bit of the backstory of what's going on with God's people, the children of Israel, when Haggai comes on the scene. And I hope you'll take some notes this morning on the back of your newsletter. Those of you that like history, I'm going to give you a little history lesson, a little backstory to set up what's going on in the book of Haggai. In the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, um, God told Solomon to build this magnificent temple to God. And so he built what we know as Solomon's temple. It was beautiful. It was magnificent. God said to his people, if you follow me and worship me, I will bless you and I'll send all the nations of the world to come to hear about your blessings and know the God that you know and you serve. But if you disobey me and you follow other gods, false gods and idols, I'm going to have to punish you. Well, what happened to the children of Israel is sometimes what happens to us. They were following God for a while, and then they drifted away from God into idol worship. So God was true to his word, and he was going to punish the nation of Israel. And you have this in your notes. In 587 B.C., um, God rose up a king, King Nebuchadnezzar, from the Babylonian Empire to crush the southern kingdom of Judah, and they destroyed the temple of God. This magnificent temple that they had built to worship God, they destroyed that temple. And then the Jews were taken into captivity, Babylonian captivity, for 70 years. They became slaves. This was part of their punishment. But in 538 BC, about 50,000 Jews were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild God's house. If you're with me so far, say yes. Okay, we're just kind of giving you the backstory and the history. But due to opposition, the work of rebuilding the temple ceased. It stopped because there was opposition. They, they got back about 50,000 of them to Jerusalem. They started rebuilding and they laid the foundation of the temple and they just built the altar and that was it. That's as far as they got. And some of their enemies, the Samaritans, came in and they opposed them and challenged them. And because the work was difficult and challenging and hard, they did what sometimes a lot of us do. They quit. 
And they stopped doing what God had called them to do. And they didn't just stop for a month or a year or two years. The Bible tells us they stopped working on God's house for 14 years. For 14 years, there was no progress on God's house. There were no prayers. There were no efforts. But you know what they did during those 14 years? They built their houses really sweet and really nice, and they focused on their things in their house, but not on God's house and what he had called them to do. And so God raises up this prophet. His name is Haggai to call the people back to work to do what they should have been doing. And he basically is going to tell them, the time is now. Let's say that together. The time is now. So that's the question quick history and backstory of the book of Haggai. Are you with me? Say yes. If I lost you, I'm sorry. We're moving on, okay? Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. With that in mind, let's see what happens. On August 29th in the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message to the prophet who, church? Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people, everybody say the people. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. But through Haggai, God is going to use Haggai to say, you you missed it. The time is now. Now, it's interesting here, and I think this is kind of humorous when it says the people are saying, the people. Because as you go through the Old Testament, most of the time when God refers to the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, he doesn't say the people. He says, my people, right? He says, my people, my children. But here he's like, the people, those people, these people. As parents, some of you can relate to this. When my kids were little, sometimes I would come home after work and my wife would say to me, you are not going to believe what your children did today. You know what I'm talking about? You're not going to believe what your children said today. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If memory serves me correctly, when they were conceived, you were also there. And I was there. And it was fun. Can I say that in church, right? It was, you guys are way too quiet this morning, okay? You need to wake up. Come on now. 8.30 was laughing and having fun. So, you know, it, she was there. And I'm like, and it was fun. And it's okay, right? If it's, if it's not fun, married couples, you're not doing it right. All right? Can I have an amen? That'll be the biggest amen I get all day for seeing you guys. But he's like, these people, the people. Now, why did the people who were God's people, the children of Israel, why did they think the time has not yet come? Here's why. Because of opposition. Because it was hard. Because there was challenge. They thought, well, God's timing must just not be right or this would be easier to rebuild God's house. But haven't you learned this in your life as I've seen this in my life? The closer I get to doing what God has called me to do, it doesn't usually get easier. It gets harder. And a great sign many times that you're doing what is right is not the things that are easy, but they're hard. They're challenging. There's opposition. I think that we ought to get worried when things are too easy, not when things are too hard. Because if we're not doing anything for God, we're not going to face any opposition. Because if God is calling us to something, we have an enemy, Satan, who's going to try to do everything to oppose it. Amen? And we're trying to build a new building right next door. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And we knew that it was going to be challenging. We know we need to be praying and praying and praying. And it hasn't been easy. It's taken longer than we thought. It's cost more than we thought. But we're not really surprised because if God has called this, us to this, to establish this church and this community and to leave a legacy, then, you know, Satan's going to try to oppose it. He's going to make it hard and difficult. 
And that is true in our life as well. And, and this is how this relates to some of you this morning. Maybe there's something in your life you know you're supposed to be doing for God. Something he spoke to you about. But because of opposition and because it's hard, maybe you've stopped doing it. You're like the children of Israel. And you're saying, ah, maybe the time's not right. You know, the stars haven't aligned. And God is going to say to you what he said to his people here. The time is now. And we're, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, individually and collectively as a church, we've got to make this decision. And you have it in your notes. We've got to make a decision to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. We've got to make a decision that I'm going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong if God is saying the time is now. And maybe God is going to speak to you this morning. There's some kind of unfinished business in your life that God spoke to you about last week or last month or last year or maybe like the nation of Israel. Maybe it was 14 years ago that you put something on hold that you know God has called you to. Maybe there's a friend, a coworker, neighbor that you know you need to share your faith with. And you're like, but that's hard. That's difficult. I don't know how they're going to respond. But you're going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And you're going to do what God has called you to do because the time is now. Maybe there's someone in your life that you, that's done you wrong, that has hurt you. And God has been telling you, you need to forgive them. That's not easy, is it? But Jesus says, forgive others as I have forgiven you. And you're going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. For some of you, maybe you are up to your eyeballs in debt. We have a value here at Orchard Church that we want to be a church that acts our wage. That acts our wage, that lives within our means, that we give to God first because he gave to us first. That we save second and we create healthy margin in our life. Then we learn to live on the rest which helps us to live content lives. And some of you, you, you know you need to act your wage. You know you need to get out of debt. You need to have a plan. You need to put every dollar on paper on purpose every month. You need to go to Financial Peace University. But you've been putting it off and putting it off. And God's going to say the time is now. The time is now to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Maybe there's a secret sin in your life that you need to take care of. Maybe you need to start getting into the word of God, not just on Sunday, but every day have some time with the Lord that you spend with him. And you're going to get up a little bit earlier. And you're going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. We see this happen all the time. There's marriages, even in our church, that are struggling and hanging by a thread. And that you know, in your heart of hearts, if we don't do something about this, if we don't get some help, if we don't get some counsel, we may not have a marriage. We're not going to be able to hold this thing together. And, you've got to, and God is saying, the time is now. Don't put this off any longer. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Now, if you think it's been convicting up to this point, I'm really going to step on some toes right now, so watch out. Maybe it's time for some of you to take care of the body that God has given you a little bit better. It's time to get in shape. It's time to eat better. It's time to exercise. You know it's not good for your health. You can't do the things you once do and you've been putting it off and God's going to say, you know, the time is now to take care of the body, the temple that I have, have given you. Maybe for some of you, you've accepted Christ, but you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism to go public with your faith. The first thing that God asks us to do once we accept Christ. And you know what? You can make that decision and do that today. We're having a baptism this afternoon, one o'clock at our ministry center. In this, listen to this. We have over 40 people signed up right now to go public with their faith this afternoon. Can we praise God for that? And maybe you're like, yeah, I know I need to be baptized. I know God's been speaking to me about that. But I, you know, I got lunch plans or I got this and I didn't come prepared. And you're going to say, no, no, no. God's going to say the time is now. You're trying to say the time has not yet come. And God's saying, no, the time is now to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. What, what is it in your life? Maybe it's to get into a small group. Maybe it's to start serving. Maybe it's to start discipling. Maybe it's to start putting God first in the area of your finances called tithing. Believing that if we give God our first and our best, then the rest will be blessed. 
And I want to challenge you to listen to the rest of this message through the lens of whatever God is saying to you. Whatever he's saying to you, and God may speak to some of you the same way he did his people in Haggai, and he's going to say, the time is now. The time is now. Let's move on. And what it says here, the people were saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And they said this for 14 years. Verse 3, then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. It's called a wake-up call. Has God ever sent you a wake-up call? He sent some in my life. Here's the wake-up call. He says, he asked them this question, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? You've put off my house and what I've called you to do for 14 years, but boy, you got some nice cribs going on out there. They're fixing them up real nice. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Here's the wake-up call. Look at what is happening to you. Look at what's happening to you. Let's set it together. Look at what's happening to you. Look at how you're living. Look at what you've put off, and God is saying the time is now. Now listen, God is not against, he's, he says, you know, you've got these nice luxurious houses, and you've put my house on hold for 14 years. Let me say this loud and clear. God is not against us having nice things. But he is against nice things having us. And God is not against nice things, but he's against us putting anything above him. And that's what they were doing in the story. And he says, look at what's happening to you. Look at what you're doing. The time is now. In other words, we have to ask ourselves this question. I have to ask myself this question this morning. Is there any area of my life that I'm putting before God? Look what's happening. Is there any area of your life? And what is true of many of us, if we'll be honest, is this, and you have it in your notes. We tend to choose our comfort over God's calling. Isn't that true? We tend to choose our comfort over God's calling and miss out on the blessing of obedience of what God has called us to do. We can be like the children of Israel that we put our house before God's house. We focus on having more instead of doing more for God. I know I find myself being guilty of putting myself before others in a Christ-like manner. We can be concerned about making a name in our community and world instead of making a difference. And we need to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. We need to hear those words from our Lord. Look what's happening. And that may be saying the time is now. The time is now. I know what this is about because it's happened several times in my life. But I remember one in particular that happened about 19 years ago. About 18, 19 years ago. I was pastoring my first church in Indiana. And um, we decided to have a couples retreat. Because as the pastor, I felt like, man, you know, we need stronger marriages and, you know, we need more faithful husbands and wives and, and uh, fathers and mothers. And my people need a retreat. And so I took my people in our church on a retreat and I called in a speaker and he spoke. And little did I know that that retreat that weekend 19 years ago was not for my people, it was for me. And I remember sitting there listening to God's word over a couple of days and God just convicting me and working me over and saying, look what is happening to you, Doug. Look what is happening. I'd been married about six years at this point. Um, had a great marriage with Shelly. We had two young children. Our son was about three years of age. Our daughter was one year of age. And I thought I was being a good husband. I thought I was being a good father. But you know what God said to me that weekend? Look what's happening to you, Doug. You're not being a good husband. You're not being a good father. You're still acting like a teenager. You're hanging out with your buddies. You're playing golf all the time. And there's nothing wrong with playing golf. But I was playing way too much golf. And I was letting Shelly kind of raise the kids. And I'd, you know, come and say hi and stuff. And man, God worked me over. And I remember the last 
evening of the retreat, the speaker said, I want you to go on a walk. It was, out, it was out in the woods and stuff. He said, go on a walk with your spouse and just share what God has done in your life this weekend. I barely got a foot out the door and I started sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, I was just bawling my eyes out. I'm talking to y'all like ugly cry, you know, snots flying, mascaras running. It was bad. Shelly goes, are you okay? What have you done? I think she thought, did you have an affair or something? And I said, I've been a horrible husband. I've been a horrible father. I mean, God just worked me over and I will never forget it. It was a crossroads in my life where God said, the time is now to put away childish things and be a man. And be there for your wife and be there for your kids and step into obedience and choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And here's what I want to tell you, Orchard Church. I could have never imagined and dreamed what that decision that day would mean over the next 18, 19 years of my life for my marriage and for my relationship with my kids. When I chose the hard right over the easy wrong, I had no idea the incredible blessing on the other side of that obedience. I was going through a drawer just the other day and I came across this card. It says, Dad. And this card was given to me by my 21-year-old son this summer on Father's Day. He uh, plays baseball in Nebraska. I know you guys have heard me talk about it. And this was my Father's Day card this year. And here's what he said. He said, Nothing could ever replace the hours of time you've spent with me and how much you've helped me grow into the person I am. I love you so much. Thanks for being the best dad I could ever ask for. If I had not made that decision 19 years ago to choose the hard right over these wrong, I would have never received a card like this. I would have never received a card like this. And I've never regretted that decision for one second. And some of you can relate this morning because you, you know there's something that God has called you to do. Maybe there's something God has called you to stop doing. And it's time to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And to step into the amazing blessing of the obedience of what God has called us to. That was what was happening here with the nation of Israel. When God said, look what's happening to you. And God has a way of helping us out to point out what's happening to us. And verse 6 is a very haunting verse to me. After God says, look what's happening to you. You haven't been obedient. He says this to them, you've planted much, but you harvest what, church? Little. You eat, but you're not what? Satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages, your income disappears as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. You ever been there? I have. And maybe some of you, as I read those words, you go, wow, I feel exactly like that. I work my tail off, and I can't ever seem to get ahead. There's always too much month at the end of the money. I've got all this stuff. I've got all these positions that I've climbed the corporate ladder, but I'm still empty. I'm still unsatisfied. And God is saying, look what is happening. Dr. Phil says it this way. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? Trying to do life apart from God and apart from what he's called us to do. And he's saying the time is now. Look at what is happening. Are we putting our house before God's house? Is there unfinished business in our life? What is God calling us to? And he's saying the time is now. Now, what should we do to make things right? 
even though it's hard, even though there's going to be opposition. And here's, here's how I am. I want to know, okay, God, I know what you're calling me to do, but will you tell me what the result is going to be? I'll do it if you'll tell me what's on the other side. Te- detail the blessing out. God doesn't work that way, does he? That's not faith. But so God here tells them what's going on. He points it out. And then our loving God is so clear. Aren't you thankful we have a God that when he tells us that we're off base and we're down the wrong road, how to get back on track? How to get back right with him? And he couldn't be more loving and more clear in what he tells the people to do. And this is going to speak to some of us this morning. He says this in verse 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Here's how you make things right. Look at what's happening to you. Now, here's what you do. Go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it, and I will be honored, says the Lord. Let let, let me spell it out. One, two, three. What is God telling them to do? Go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. That's how you make things right. I'm going to let that sink in because I know that's so overwhelming to you guys right now. It's hard to take it in, what God is saying. Go up into the hills. Have you seen that hill, God? I'm going to choose the hard right over the easy road. Go go up into the hills. Got that? And when you get there, don't just walk around. Bring down what? Timber. Those are big trees we got to chop down. Bring down timber. Bring it down, and then do what? Rebuild my house. Okay, some of y'all are still not getting this, so I'm going to keep doing it until you get it. I could do this all day. What is God saying? Here's how you follow my plan. Here's how you become obedient in your life. You just follow God step by step by step. And he gives them three steps right here. Go up to the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Could God be any clearer, church? No. Here's the problem. We want steps three, four, and five. God says, I'm giving you step one. Do the last thing God told you to do, and then I'll give you step two. You know, we're like, but God, we we need the details. I need the details, God. And God's like, you can't handle the details. And let this change some of your lives. Listen to this. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's responsibility. Amen? Obedience. We just got to choose the hard right over the easy wrong and say, you know, I'm going to obey. And that's my responsibility. And I'm going to trust God with the outcome. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's responsibility. I'm going to follow the Lord step by step, by step, and once I take a step, he'll give me the next step, and he'll give me the next step. This happened to Shelly and I 11 years ago. We were living in Pueblo, Colorado. Some of you know the story, and we had been praying and talking about planting a church someday, and God came to us and said, okay, you've been praying about this. You've been talking about this. Now it's time to do it. The time is now to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. We were in a ministry that we could have just kept doing what we were doing. We had it made. And God told us to do three things. Leave Pueblo, move to Denver, and start a Bible study. We'd never lived here. We had no friends here, no family here, nothing. But we knew what God was telling us to do. He said, the time is now. He said, leave Pueblo, step one. Now that part wasn't hard, I'm gonna be honest. (laughs) I'm just keeping it real. That was the easy part. 
moved to Denver. Now, that was a part of me that was excited to move to Denver, but we had never lived there. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know where this church was going to meet. We didn't know where our finances were to come from. He said, leave, leave Pueblo, move to Denver, and start a Bible study. And we did those three things. And can we all agree, we had no idea the blessings of God 11 years later of us taking that step of faith. We had no idea. God has continued to blow us away with his blessings and goodness, and I believe he's just getting started. And here's what Shelly and I had to come to. You have it in your notes. If we're going to do what God has called us to do, to choose the hard right over the easy wrong, the time is now, whatever God is saying in your life, the way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. The way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. For some of you, you've been praying about something for years that you know God has told you to do. Did you know, listen, now, now hear the full context of this, okay? Don't take this out of context. You know there's some things you don't have to pray about? You don't have to pray about sharing your faith. God's already told us to share our faith. You don't have to pray about going to church. God's already told us to go to church. You don't have to pray about serving. You don't have to pray about discipling. You don't have to pray about tithing. You don't have to pray about those things. God's already told us to do those things. Can I have an amen? Amen. But some of you, you know, it's time to stop talking and start doing. Some of you, it's time to stop praying and start doing. We've been praying about planting church for years, and God said, quit praying and just do it. You know, last year, we kicked off our, our legacy building campaign here at Orchard Church. And Shelly and I, like many of you, were praying not what do we want to do, not what can we do, but what is the sacrificial gift that would be honoring to God that he's asking us to do. And we, for many years, had been talking about and praying about, you know, we've always tithed. I mean, we've been married 23 years. We've always tithed. We've always given more than a tithe. The tithe is 10%. It's from the Hebrew word ma'aser. It doesn't mean 5%. It doesn't mean 15%. It means 10%. It's the beginning. It's the training wheels of the Christian life. And I was taught that as a kid, and we've applied that in our entire marriage. And we've, the Bible says give our tithes and offerings. You, you don't give an offering to the Lord until you first give in the tithe, the first 10% to the Lord. And one person agrees with the Bible. That's awesome. So encouraging. And we had always tithed and we'd always given an offering because we'd always given above the tithe to missions and feeding centers and friends in need and those things. But we'd always talked about how fun it would be to be a twither. You say, where's that in the Bible? It's in the DIV version, Doug International Version, okay? A twither is a double tither. That we'd like to get to the point that we give 20% of our income back to the Lord. And so we had been praying about it, and we, and we both talked. And I was kind of feeling like God was laying that on my heart. And I confirmed it with my wife, and she felt the same thing. And I said, let's do it. And so that's what we committed to the Legacy Building Campaign one year ago. 20% we're going to give of our, of our income back to the Lord. And we took that step of faith, and God has blessed us, and God has taken care of us, and, and we haven't missed a meal. And I, I can tell you all day the blessings of God. It's like, and we've never missed it. And it was time to quit talking and start doing. And as we think about the legacy campaign that we kicked off a year ago, you know, we're getting ready to have our one-year anniversary. And we're going to celebrate our one-year anniversary like we celebrate other anniversaries and birthdays because we're celebrating what God has done in and through our church in this community. Because we're not just building a building, help me, church. We're building a, a legacy. And so in two Sundays on November 13th, we are going to, to celebrate uh, our one-year anniversary legacy campaign. And I just want to thank so many of you 
who made commitments, had been faithful in your commitments, not to me, not to Orchard Church, but to the Lord over the last year, and you are making a huge difference already. I know we haven't built the building yet, but you're already making a huge difference in this community. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus, and I want to to celebrate together and tell you what your sacrificial generosity, what you've been a part of. To date, we've had over 700 people this year alone who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior through Orchard Church. We've uh, baptized over 133 people, and we've got 40-plus signed up today that are going public with their faith. Can we just celebrate that right now? And I want to right now just show you a a short two-minute video of a couple of the families that we've reached through the ministry of Orchard Church uh, over the last year. And because of your sacrificial giving and generosity, you have had a part in these lives being changed. So check this out. I am Liz Berger. I'm Ken We have been coming to Orchard Church since Christmas Eve. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Carrie Miller. We've been coming to Orchard for about nine months. Um, we were just we were just driving around one evening. It was actually Christmas Eve, and we we're, we talked about going to church as a couple for a while, um, and we just drove by it and said, "Let's go try it." We wanted to find a church that was about relationships and community. We really wanted to find a place that had a solid youth group for our our youngest daughter, Emma, the last one to kind of go through youth, and we found both. It feels like a family, you know, like you're not just going for a religion, you're going for a relationship, and I think it's made us grow together stronger, and the kids, and everybody there is so kind, and you just kind of want to open your heart to all of them. The way Doug puts across the the message is um, something that I've not been used to, and I I enjoy it. Um, Like he's talking like a a real person instead of somebody that's almost above you. We came desiring relationships with other believers, other couples. I think um, people have the heart to have a relationship and to serve because that's the heart of Pastor Doug. Um, So it's trickled down and it's... It's pretty evident. I love that it, they're so involved in the community. It's not just about foreign missions, which are which is great. Um, they care about the community around them, and I think that's that was huge for me to see that their heart was not just for other countries, but our community that's right around where we live. I am internally grateful for everything that you do and the time and effort that you put into Orchard Church. And from the deepest of my heart, I want to say thank you. Yeah, I'm just not much on words, but, you know, that's one of the reasons we keep going. Thank you for shaking my hand, um, for just greeting me um, week after week. Um, It it definitely is noticed, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you for sacrificing your time every week, for getting up early, staying late, and for just loving on everyone that comes through the doors because it makes all the difference in the world. So thank you. And I I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. So many of you who have been so faithful um, in your giving and in your prayers and your service and just sacrificial generosity 
to make a difference in this community. The Millers mentioned on there that, you know, we're a church that's been blessed to be a blessing, and we are making a difference in this community. Um, just this last week, uh, Brighton 27J School District uh, gave an award to Orchard Church, and it's called the Reach In Award. We received this for the difference we've made in this community in the school system, for all the things we've done. So can we just celebrate that right now? Uh, many of you last 4th of July, remember we, instead of having church, we decided to be the church and 200 plus of us painted um, the elementary school at Henderson and that's part of the reason we got this award and then we've been meeting with the principal over at Timig Elementary asking how can we serve uh, this school and we have started a scholarship. She said, well, we have a certain amount of kids, believe it or not, in our community that um, are struggling financially and they'll go through the food line and they don't have money to pay for their food and we hate to see that and so we set up a scholarship fund. If there's any kids that go through the line and don't have money for food, we pay for their, their meals. We pay for their lunch. We just started doing that. And some other projects we're doing for the school as well. I received this from a teacher this week at Timig Elementary. She said, thank you, your staff and your church for being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I'm a teacher at Timig and I just received an email from my principal regarding the donations your congregation provided to our school. Reading about this gave me chills. Thanks again for being a blessing here in our community. So I just, we want to thank the Lord for that, to be, to be a blessing in our community. Amen? But... Um, you know, and one of the ways we're going to continue to be a blessing is by establishing this church. We started this church 11 years ago. It's one thing to start a church. It's another thing to establish a church. And this new building and new facility that we're going to be breaking ground on um, any day now, and I'm going to give you an update about that in a minute, is going to give us an opportunity to continue to be a blessing for generations to come in this community because we're not just building a building. We're building a, a legacy. And so I want to just give you a little bit of update on the building. We had our ceremonial groundbreaking just a few weeks ago, and we took a step of faith in that groundbreaking because we don't have our building permit yet. And I've been asking you guys, be praying. We're getting close. We're getting close. Well, sometimes what happens with the city is when they when the city believes that your building permit is imminent and it's just a matter of some time and paperwork they will go ahead and give you a grading permit and that means the general contractor can mobilize and they'll get the bulldozers out there because they got to start doing the the site work and the drainage and all that well guess what orchard church friday orchard church received our grading permit from the city of brighton so can we celebrate that very very exciting news we talked to our general contractor. You're probably going to see fencing going up in the next week or two. You're going to start seeing bulldozers arrive. And we believe that our building permit is just around the corner, so keep praying for that. Um, we've just got a few little uh, details to wrap up with the city and you know, people that have to review it. But God is doing some amazing things. And, and it's so much of this is made possible because a year ago, many of you here at Orchard Church, you prayed about what God would have you to do financially over and above your tithes and offerings for the next three years in our legacy building campaign. And we had about 300 families and individuals that committed $2.5 million over the next three years, over and above their normal tithes and offerings. And you can see this in your newsletter every week. And I don't know what the exact number is, but we're over $900,000 of the legacy campaign commitment that has already been received to date, that has come in, that we've been able to spend cash instead of taking out a loan. So can we celebrate that? Um, we've had 11 people who've already completed their, their campaign. They've fulfilled their commitment. We've had some that said, you know, God has blessed me so much by giving back to him because we can't outgive God. Can, can I, I've already completed my commitment. Can I can just continue and give more than that? And I said, well, let me think. Yes, you can do that. We, that'll be okay. But this has touched my heart. We've had several people who've been relocated and moved away for various reasons, and they gave their full commitment before they left. They sold their house or business. Others said, you know, we're moving away, but we're continuing to 
to send back our commitment because we didn't make a commitment to Orchard Church or Pastor Doug. We made a commitment to God. And they're continuing to send back their commitment until it's fulfilled over the next uh, two years. We're praying. Here's one of the things we're praying about. We'd love to hit the $1 million mark by two weeks from now on our one-year anniversary. I like round numbers, don't you? Let's not leave this thing hanging at $998,000, you know, 50. Let's, let's hit $1 million, um, in two weeks on our one-year anniversary. One of the ways you can help us do that, we're kind of coming to the end of the year, so it's a great time to get tax write-offs. We did this a year ago with our first fruit offering. If you can give 5 to 10% of your, your commitment, not in addition to, unless God would lead you to, but just give 5 to 10% of that, uh, then that'll kind of help us get to that $1 million mark. That's something that Shelly and I are going to be doing. Um, inside your newsletter today, and you're going to see this the next couple of weeks, is our one-year anniversary commitment card. The reason we're doing this is because we have a lot of new people in our church. We've had people move away. We don't want to take anything for granted or make any assumptions. We need to know where we are budget-wise for the next two years with this campaign. How much do we need to, how much do we have to spend in cash versus take out a loan for. And so we're not asking you to turn these in or do anything with them today. Just take them home, look them over, pray about them. We'll receive them in two weeks on our one-year anniversary. We're asking you to make one of three decisions to pray about this. Uh, check the box. If my commitment is to fulfill my three-year commitment, those that committed a year ago, you say, I'm on track. I'm going I'm to fulfill it. Check that box. If you, uh, God has blessed you and you can increase your commitment, check that box. Let us know about the increase, the details on the other side. And then we have so many new people in our church. We've got 300 plus new people here at Orchard Church that were not here when we made our commitments a year ago. And you may be like, dodge that bullet. Well, we're praying for you guys that you, if this is, if this is your church home now, I'm not talking to guests and people like that, but if this is, you say, Orchard Church is our church. This is our, my church home. This is my church family. That you would pray about making a commitment and joining the legacy campaign. Would that be okay, Orchard Church, if some of our new people joined in and helped us accomplish what God has called us to do? So join the campaign and, and be a part of this for the next two years. Pray about what God would have you to do. Pray like we did last year. What is the most sacrificial step of faith that I could make? Not what can I do or what I want to do, but what would God call me to do? And we're going to ask you to fill these out and turn them in uh, in two uh, weeks. And if you have questions about the campaign, all the details, the brochures we gave out a year ago, our mission proposition, our brochure, all the details, you can pick these up at the Got Questions table today, pray over this and see what God would have you to do. But I believe with all my heart that here's how God is going to speak to some of you today. Either you didn't make a commitment last year or you weren't here and you're new at Orchard Church. God is going to say, you know what? The time is now. The time is now to help build my house, to make a difference. The time is now to get involved. For some of you, you made a commitment next year, but for whatever reason, you never got started. You, you put it on a, a, a card, but you never really gave anything. And God's going to say, the time is now to do what you committed to do a year ago. For others of you, maybe you started and you started giving toward your commitment and, and you, you stopped. You know, kind of like the children of Israel did. They started building the, the temple and then it got hard and there was opposition and they stopped. And God is going to say, it's time to catch up. The, the, the time is, is now. And l let me tell you what we seen God accomplish already because of the legacy campaign. T today, now we have a line of credit that we've taken out, but as of today, we have still yet to tap in to that line of credit. Everything we've done, we've spent over $700,000 with city fees and architecture and engineers. We've paid cash for all of it, and the land has been paid for for two years because of this commitment. We've ran the numbers on this, the math, and here's what's exciting. We, we, because we're not going to be rolling that money into the loan, we have already saved, over the life of 20 years of this loan, $2 million in interest alone has been saved because of the legacy campaign. We praise God for that. 
We couldn't do without your sacrifice. And you say, well, what does that $2 million we've saved equate to? You know we could plant 10 churches like Orchard Church and fully fund them with that money? That would, it's about $200,000 a church. We could plant 10 churches. Because our vision here at Orchard Church, it's not about our kingdom, it's about the kingdom. And we want to multiply disciple-making churches. I'm going to keep saying this. We don't want to be known for our seating capacity. We want to be known for our sending capacity. And that building is not going to be about us. It's going to be about advancing the kingdom. That building is going to be an incubator and a training center and a launch pad for churches that we're going to plant. Because we're a church that plants churches that plant churches. We believe that we're positioned right now because of your faithfulness and your generosity and the good stewardship of our finances. We have a 10-year line of credit that we've taken out, but we believe we are on track right now to pay the building off, not in 20 years, but in 10 years. Instead of 20 years, in 10 years, saving $2 million in interest. But did you know that we have done the math on this? There's really a pretty easy way for us to pay that building off, completely paid for in three to four years. Did y'all hear what I said? There's a way for us to see that building paid off completely in three to four years. Three to four years. Now, now be careful before you applaud because I'm going to tell you how we do it. Because you're like, well, how, how would we do that? Here's how we do it. We choose the hard right over the easy wrong. We just have to do what God has already told all of us as believers in Jesus Christ to do just like he did in Haggai. And he's saying to some of us, the time is now. Even though it's hard, and even though there's opposition, but if we would all just apply God's word and do what he's already told us to do, we've ran the numbers over and over, we would have a completely paid for building in three to four years, even if we didn't have the legacy campaign. What am I talking about? What, what is it, Doug? Well, it's a couple of books over from the book of Haggai in Malachi, or as I like to refer to, Malachi, the Italian prophet. <laughs> We need a little levity right now. And listen to what Malachi, God has already told us. He raised up the prophet Malachi and he said this. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. What is he saying? The time is now to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. But the people ask, how can we return to you when we, we've never gone away? We don't know what you're talking about, God. Should peep, And then the prophet Malachi, God says this to them. Should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the what, church? tithes and offerings due to me because the bible says the tithe the first 10 percent is holy unto the lord it doesn't even belong to us it belongs to him he's he's entrusted it to us to see if we'll give it back to him he goes on and says this you're under a curse you know things are not going well i'm not blessing you for your whole nation has been cheating me bring all the tithes not a tip, a tithe, not 5%, not 8%. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. I believe that today that the Old Testament storehouse was the temple, the place of worship where God's people gathered. The representation of that today is the local church, the New Testament church where we gather to worship. He says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a what, church? A blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And this is the only place in the Bible that God says this. Try it. Put me to what? The test. Try it. Put me to the test. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. The time is now. And we have ran the numbers. If we all as believers in Jesus Christ that call Orchard Church, our church, would do this, we would have a completely paid for building in three to four years, and we would have thousands and thousands of dollars to advance the kingdom in this community, in this state, and around the world. 
if we just do what God's called us to do. And for some of us, God may be saying the time is now. And anytime I talk about this subject, listen, you think it's difficult to listen to? Try having to teach on this three times as a pastor. Because I don't want to be one of those pastors. I don't want to be one of those churches. So about once a year, we'll take time to talk about this subject. And I want you to hear from the bottom of my heart and from God's heart. When we talk about tithing and giving, it's not about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. It's not about what I want from you. It's about what I want for you. And I went about four to five years when we first started Orchard Church, and I, was, I would not talk about this subject. I would teach everything in the Bible but tithing and giving because I didn't want to be one of those churches. I didn't want to be one of those pastors. And I remember that I was reading through the Bible, and I started coming across all these passages about tithing and giving, and God convicted me and said, listen, Doug, you get up and you say that Orchard Church is about what does the Bible say, what does the Bible say, but you're not teaching them what the Bible says about this area of their life, and you, Pastor Doug, are robbing Orchard Church people of a blessing that's what he said to me you've received this blessing in your life you've experienced this for 23 years let other people and, and so I started teaching on it once a year and we've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who've taken God at his word and stepped out in this area and said the time is now to choose the hard right of the easy wrong and, and we've seen God bless over and over and pour out blessings over and over because God is true to his word he says try it put me to the test and when we talk about this subject, it's difficult. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, you know, Orchard Church needs my money. No, we don't. You know why? Because this isn't my church. It's not our church. It's God's church. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for 11 years, we've never owed anyone a dime to this day. God has provided for our needs and God is going to provide for our needs. The question is, are we going to be a part of the blessing end of that? And maybe some of you think, well, okay, if, if Orchard Church doesn't need my money, then God must need my money. Ha, ha, ha. God needs our money? Have we forgotten what the Bible says, that God owns it all anyway? The Bible said God, listen, our God, that's where giving starts, believing that God owns it all anyway. It's all His. It's not my house. It's His house. It's not my car. It's His car. It's not my income. It's His income. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the cattle and he owns the hills. You, we could say it this way. God doesn't need our money and he doesn't need our bull. I have been waiting for a year to say that, man. I heard a pastor say that. I can't wait to use that. And you guys did not respond appropriately. I love you guys. I do. And I, I, I don't... I, I'm not trying to guilt you in anything. I just see some of you struggling, and I know why. You have not trusted God in this area of your life. And we believe this here at Orchard Church. I believe this. Our team believes this. And many of you believe this because you've experienced it. That when you give God your first and your best, we can trust Him to bless the rest. And we believe that it is easier to live on 90% that is blessed than try to live on 100% that is not blessed. And maybe God is saying to some of you today, it's time. The time is now. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Try it. Put me to the test. I read this recently in Relevant Magazine. It's a church magazine. It said they did a study on churches and tithing. Only 5% of Christians tithe the full 10%. Isn't that sad? Only 5% of Christians in America are obedient to what God has said, but with 80% only giving 2% of their income. Can I be as bold to say this? We have become a country of Christians 
that are tippers, but not tithers. And God has not called us to be tippers. God doesn't bless tippers. God blesses obedience and tithing. And so as we wrap this up today, and some of you are like, I wish you'd shut up right now. I could tell who is experiencing this blessing in your life and who isn't because the ones that are being blessed are like, yep, yep, come on, preach it. And the others are like, let's get out of here. Why did we come to church today? I'm a first-time guest. Are you kidding me? But listen, as we wrap this up this morning, we've been doing this for the last several years, giving you an opportunity to take God at his word, to try it, to put him to the test. We've called it a 90-day tithe challenge. And hundreds of you have done this and seen God do amazing things. And so here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to take out your connection card that's in your newsletter. Some of you are like, I'm not touching anything. Okay, no, just take it out. You don't have to fill it out. Just take it out. Just do that much for me. Take out your connection card. And if you know God is saying to you, the time is now in the area of tithing and putting God first, believing he'll bless the rest, I want to challenge you to take the 90-day tithe challenge. What's the 90-day tithe challenge? That you take this challenge. Here's what we need. Your name, your email, and just somewhere on that card where the other line is, just put 90-day tithe challenge or 90-day tithe. We'll we'll know what it is. And it's not because we're going to bug you or we're going to follow up with you. We want your email because when God blesses you through the 90-day tithe challenge, that you say, I'm going to give 10% of my income to God. I'm going to put him first and I'm going to trust him to bless the rest. And God blesses you. We want to know about it because we can all, then we'll email that out and we'll all share in that blessing. We'll remove your name, but we, because we want to share when God opens the windows of heaven and blesses, amen? So that's why we want, that's why we want your name and your email to do that. And you tithe for 90 days and you just see if God doesn't bless you. Take God at his word, try it, put him to the test. The time is now. Now there's a catch to this and you're like, oh, here we go. Here's the catch and it's a good catch. We so believe in this and seen God radically do something with the 90 day tithe challenge that if at the end of 90 days, if you do this and you take the step of faith and you don't believe God has blessed you, we will give every dime back to you that you've given through Orchard Church. You say, well, have you ever done that? Yes, we have. We've had a couple of instances where people asked for it back. We gave it back, no questions asked. But the majority of people, God blesses. He's true to his word, amen, church? He's true to his word. And so if if God would lay that on your heart today to take the 90-day tithe challenge or sign up for the legacy campaign, which we will do in a couple weeks, do whatever God is calling you to do. But you know what? This isn't just about giving. This is about so much more. Maybe there's some kind of unfinished, unfinished business in your life. And it may be your finances. It may be serving. It may be discipling. It may be a small group. It may be witnessing. It may be forgiveness. It may be your marriage. And maybe God's saying, look what is happening to you. It's time. The time is now to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Believing that obedience is our responsibility and outcome is God's responsibility because the time is now. Father, we thank you for the challenge of your word this morning. May we step out in obedient faith and step into the blessings and the promises when we put you first in whatever area of our life that you're speaking to us about. I pray that you work in hearts and lives right now. Whatever you're calling people to, in whatever area of their life, that they wouldn't say, the time has not yet come, but they they would say, the time is now. I'm going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. I want to take a step of obedience. I'm going to trust you with the outcome and experience blessings beyond what we could ever imagine. I pray that for so many people today for their lives, for their families, for their marriages, for their health, for whatever it is you've called them to. 
as we just continue with heads bowed and eyes closed and attitude of prayer, maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Let me just say loud and clear from the heart of God, God is not interested in your money today. He is interested in one thing, your life, your heart, a relationship with Him. And if you've never given your heart and your life to Him, that's, you know, we give to Him because He first gave to us. He gave His Son. For God so loved the world, He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And some of you, God is saying, the time is now to give your life to Jesus. The time is now. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. I'm not going to ask you to stand up, come up, or speak up. I'm just going to ask you to pray this simple prayer. Now, this isn't a magic prayer or magic words. But if you pray this prayer, I'll help you with the words, but it has to come from your heart. You have to mean it in faith. And if you do... You can invite Jesus Christ in your life today. You can make that decision today. So if that's you today, you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I'm calling on you today to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me my sins. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'd never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith, you just made the greatest decision of your life and all eternity. And I'd love the privilege to pray for you that you would just grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So right now, without hesitation, if you prayed that prayer, would you slip up your hand and say, yes, I meant it. I prayed that prayer to invite Jesus into my life. Can I pray for you? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, over here. God bless you over here. God bless you. Thank you for your hand. Amen. Anyone else? God bless you, young person. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you today. That they, they answered the call that the time is now. And Lord, I pray that we would answer the call of obedience. Whatever you've called us to, whatever you've called us from. For your honor, for your glory, and for our good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen, amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Man, I, I, thank you guys. Um, I, I love you guys so much, and I know you love Shelly and I and our staff here, and I feel it. And when I have these difficult messages like this, I can't tell you what a privilege it is to be able to preach to people that are willing to open their hearts and minds to God's Word, even when it's tough, even when it's challenging. But listen, if you made a decision for Christ today, you raised your hand, you said it, you accepted Christ, please let us know about that on your connection card so we can continue to pray for you, send you a free little book in the mail um, that will help you in your walk with Christ. If you're a first-time guest today, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Hopefully you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today at all, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in you. So let us know you're here. I'll tell you what's going to happen with that card. We're going to send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail uh, for being our guest today. If you're new to Orchard and I haven't had the privilege to meet you, I'd love to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard after the service, so please come by so I can meet you uh, personally. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to continue with week two of Haggai. And just like we talked about today, the moment we make a decision to choose the hard right over the easy wrong, guess what we're going to face? Opposition and challenge. We're going to talk about how to get past that uh, next week. We make those decisions for the Lord, and so don't miss that next week. Right now, we're going to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings, and check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church. I love you guys.